Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, amen. You know, if you can't preach after worship like that, um, I might be in the wrong business. All right. So, uh, you know, while I was sitting down here, all I could picture as we were talking about this is how I fight my battle was us getting ready to go outside of our fobs over in Afghanistan and how that we would put on our battle rattle. We would jump, get inside those Humvees. I mean, and, and just the, the energy that filled us over there getting ready to go out and protect each other. I saw that. I saw you all putting on your battle rattle, your garments of praise. Yeah, are y'all ready to go to battle? You know, that, that's why we come here. And so, man, I look back and I see Miss Hannah Tellefson in her battle rattle right here. She is embarrassed that I just said that. But uh, she is uh, here on a lot of Sundays. And it is awesome to see uh, that represented. But you know what? I want you to think about that. That's what you're going to do today. You have the opportunity today to get armored up. You have the opportunity today to get ready for what's coming at you this week. Are you ready, Josh? Yeah. You ready, Josh? Come on. I got Josh here. I got Josh there. I got Josh everywhere. Oh, my goodness. Let me do this. Stand with me. We are in week two of the, or week three of the Transform series. In the last two weeks, I laid the foundation with a spiritual and physical health. And today we are starting the next three weeks, which I believe are the most important three weeks. And so what I want, I want you to be ready for this. And and so I wanted to do things a little differently. And I just want to pray a, a blessing over you for you to receive the message that God has for you today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask that God, the praise that we lifted up to you, Lord, you hear that your Holy Spirit, as you heard us, invite God that hearts would be ready to hear your message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So the next three weeks, we are going to be talking about um, mental health. All right, now in the military, that wasn't a good thing. If you were seen coming out of mental health, that means you were crazy. You know, but the reality is this, that our mental health is as important as our physical health. It's as important as our spiritual health, and it determines how well we fight the battle that God has for us. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about emotional health. These are tied together, and then in three weeks, I will finish this three-week portion of the Transform series talking about relational health. And whether you are married, whether you're engaged, I promise you, you are in a relationship with somebody, all right? This may be a family member. This may be um, somebody that is just a friend, but we are all in different relationships. And I want to talk to you in three weeks about your relational health and how that impacts your testimony, how that impacts how you fight the battle. Well, um, Josh talked about this book here. It's our Transform Workbook. And, and if you're missing one, I found one sitting around, so I grabbed it to, to come up here. And, you know, I, I love this book because I opened this one up, and on page 48, if you've got your book, turn to 48. It's day 10, 
And what happens is each day there is a verse, a verse of Scripture, and then a little bit of a devotional talking about that verse of Scripture. And then on the other side of the page, it asks four questions. And here are the four questions. Number one, what did you hear? Secondly, what did you think? And the third question is, what will you do? And then the last question is, now talk to God. And actually, it's a statement. And so um, I came across this one. I was impressed. And, and so it, it said, what did you hear? And they wrote down, God will, with an exclamation point. It says, if you're worn out, put hope in the Lord. And under what do you think, this person wrote, I am worn down and weak when it comes to, and I won't put the name there. I don't know what to do. Could easily walk away, but that's not what I want. And then under what will you do, they wrote, trust that God has a plan for restoration and that one day I will be able to help others going through similar situations. It says, now talk to God. It says, Lord, I need you. I've messed things up in my own strength. Show me what you want me to do. I don't want to feel a million miles away when I'm in the same room with blank. If you're missing your book, just come up here afterwards and grab that. This could be somebody sitting beside you, or you know what? It could be the guy up here that wrote that. See, this is a powerful series. This is a powerful opportunity to hear God's word speak into your heart. When it talked about God will, if you read the rest of it, it says, God will renew your strength. See, remember, there's a premise and a promise. The premise is this, those who wait on the Lord or hope in the Lord the promise is this, God will renew your strength. It says, those who hope in the Lord, God will cause you to soar like an eagle. Those who hope in the Lord, God will make it so that you run and not be weary. And I got to tell you, that was the most quoted verse by me when I was in the military. Every time I came up to physical fitness time. And I had to go out and do that mile and a half run. I was like, God, you know, you said in Isaiah, those who I'm hoping on you, Lord, but then, because it never happened, I never ran and didn't grow weary. And then I realized he was giving me the second promise in that portion where it says, uh, those who hope in the Lord, God will allow them to walk and not faint. And so I noticed that I had walked a lot and I didn't faint. And so, you know what? God is faithful. God is faithful. The question is, will we be? So uh, this week, I want to talk to you about mental health, and specifically, I want to introduce it by saying, what gets your mind gets you. What gets your mind gets you. And, and I'm just going to put this out here. On May 7th and 8th, there, we are going to hold another relationship upgrade workshop. This is eight hours of, I, I'm just going to touch on it today. I wouldn't do that to you on a Sunday and keep you here for two or three hours. But I want you to know that in two Saturdays, uh, we're going to do the Relationship Upgrade Seminar. If anything about today speaks to you, that is an event that you need to be at. You need to find babysitters. You need to clear your work schedule. This is going to, and, and you're going to get to hear from some people who were blessed when they went to the last one. And so don't fall into the trap of thinking, uh-oh, it's just another workshop. This is a workshop that would revolutionize your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. I want to read those to you and kind of break those down and 
It starts off, it says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Do you realize we're in a war? Every one of us. And, and the, what's interesting is the way that the, the Bible breaks this down is, it says um, in the Greek, it gives it the strongest um, way to negate what's going on. And so where it says, we do not wage war as the world does. What Paul's trying to say is, you've got to get this right. You, if you're fighting the way the world fights, you've missed it. You've lost it. You need to fight a different way. And then he goes and to explain that. And he says this, the weapons that we use are not weapons of the world. Did you know you have weapons in this battle? That's that battle rattle that I was talking about that we as Christians get to put on. And the truth of the matter is that some of the weapons that you're using aren't the right weapons. Some of the weapons that you're using are weapons that you um, use in your own flesh and in your own power and under your own control. The weapons that God wants us to use aren't like that. Matter of fact, um, the weapons that God wants us to use are the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The weapons that God wants to use is the arrows of truth, which pierce into the conscience of men. The weapon that God wants us to use in this battle is prayer. The weapon that God wants us to use is the influence of the Holy Ghost. Continue reading on in 2 Corinthians, it says this, on the contrary, they, and when it says they there, it's talking about the weapons the weapons that, remember, if you are, if you're not lined up with what Paul's saying, you are using weapons, but they're the wrong ones. The weapons that Paul is talking about says that they have a divine power to demolish strongholds. Not break a hole into it, not just open up an entrance, but to demolish the stronghold. Now, I don't know if you know what strongholds are, but maybe you can think of the word fortress. Like this is a heavily protected, impenetrable building or a castle. It's designed to make safe those who are inside of that fortress. But here's what happens. Satan creates his own strongholds on our lives. Satan, only what he doesn't have strongholds that are designed to protect us. His strongholds are designed to imprison us. And every day, Christians walk by you, and they've allowed the enemy to put them into prison. They've allowed the enemy. And the, and the enemy uses things like greed, lust, addictions, a little word called worry, and sometimes even pride. And if the enemy doesn't build a stronghold around you, you may find out that uh, you build your own negative stronghold be- using one of your own strengths something that you are good at, something that God has blessed you with. For example, someone with a healthy confidence can become arrogant and have that as a stronghold in their life. Many people with the gift of discernment can grow into a judgmental attitude when they look and see other people. The discipline to work out regularly and eat healthy becomes an obsession, and we lose out on our spiritual side of things. The goal to get ahead, which is a great thing, grows into greed. You got to be careful. But we don't have to let the enemy build a stronghold. We don't have to um, 
have our own strongholds that come from our own strengths. Psalm 18.2 says these words, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. Listen to this, my stronghold. You see, if the stronghold is built by the Lord, it is a good stronghold. If the stronghold is designed by Satan, it's bad. In the God stronghold, he clarifies what he wants you to do. In Satan's stronghold, he confuses you and leaves you wondering what's going on. In the Lord's stronghold, he offers us freedom. And in Satan's stronghold, he enslaves everybody. In the Lord's stronghold, he gives grace. In Satan's stronghold, he pours guilt on you. In the Lord's stronghold, he provides forgiveness. And in Satan's stronghold, he gives you nothing but shame. You see, in the Lord's stronghold, he creates contentment. And in the devil's stronghold, he wants you to want more and more and more, and it's never enough. The Lord wants what's best for you in his stronghold, while Satan wants the worst for you. In the Lord's stronghold, he gives you hope. And in Satan's stronghold, he steals it. You see, our weapons demolish Satan's strongholds. What are those weapons? We said that. The prayer, the praise that you offered up this morning, the Holy Spirit's influence in your life. Not only do we demolish strongholds, but 2 Corinthians 10 tells us this, that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Arguments, Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden because they argued with Satan. And many of you struggle as you go through the week because you find yourself in an argument with Satan. He takes God's word and he twists it. He takes what God said and he turns it around and confuses you. Something like this. You tell yourself, my sin's not hurting anyone else. And you have that argument. And you basically lay down all of your weapons and you give up the right to fight the battle that God has for us. It says here that it destroys pretensions or opinions. We, we hear uh, atheism is on the, the growth here in all across the world. Agnosticism is growing. Is there really a God? But you know what? You don't have to go outside of these walls. Sometimes you can hear the same thing being said inside these walls when we say things like this. I got this, God. You just take a break today. I can, I can do this one. I can handle this. So how do we combat this? Well, we take captive every thought. Continuing to read in 2 Corinthians, it says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but we as human beings have about 35,000 thoughts a day. Come on, say, that's a lot. You know, I mean, they, they argue that it's somewhere between 20,000 and 80,000. I just settled on 35,000. That, that's still a lot. I don't care how you shake that one. And here's what's crazy is 80% of our thoughts are negative. We have the ability to find the cloud inside that silver lining every time. It doesn't take us very much effort. And here's another thing that I found interesting, that, that 95% of our thoughts are the same ones. We just, we just recycle them over and over and over again. Matter of fact, I was reading about one study, and, and they called them 
thought worms and that how that like you, you basically get one thought and then you just dive into a hole with it. And you just continually and you and you call it different names, but it's the same thing and it just takes you lower and lower. Gets you more defeated every moment. So how do we defeat that? Well, the answer is here to make every thought. Did it say make most of the thoughts? Did it say make just the negative thoughts? No, it said make every thought obedient to Christ. And the way that we make every thought obedient to Christ is those weapons, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. You got to open this up and read it. Arrows of truth. Oh, have you ever had God given you a word and, and you, you shared that with somebody? And um, I think about it this way. Anyone ever go on paintball? going out and had little paintball battles. All right, and have you had that one guy that, uh, like, you hit them with the paintball, and they acted like they didn't get hit. They, like, wipe it off real quick. (laughs) But when you hit them, you hurt them. Oh, that's what happens when we we use those arrows of truth from God's word. And you'll ask somebody, hey, did that hurt? They're like, no, it didn't hurt. And you know it did. And you know what? We don't throw those arrows of truth to hurt them. The reality is that they hurt. The weapon of prayer is another weapon that every Christian should be using. I thought I was prayed up when I got here. All during worship, I was in prayer today. Incredible. And then the influence of the Holy Spirit. Man, I think about the influence of the Holy Spirit like a GPS. Now, man, I'm not too proud to admit I use GPS. Matter of fact, um, I hope this isn't sacrilegious or you don't take this the wrong way or I, I don't lose your respect. But when I'm driving in the car, I, find, I sometimes say in Waze, I trust. Waze is a GPS app that's on my phone and, and it tells me where the police are. It tells me where uh, I know, uh, you know what, I just, if, in case they need help, I'm going to be there for them. <laughs> That's why I need to know where they're at. So I'm going down the road, and when Way says, get off at this exit, I get off at that exit. Because there's a couple of times I did get off of that exit, and things went bad. So not too long ago, I'm driving down Interstate 64. I've gone through Kentucky. I'm almost into uh, West Virginia. And I looked down, and Waze had to be getting off at the next exit. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm supposed to be on the interstate another 200 miles. Maybe Waze just didn't update. I looked ahead. I mean, it, there was not a car in sight. You, you, I'm trying, and, I, and I'm thinking, and I got about 10 seconds to make the decision. Do I trust Waze and get off, or do I trust my eyesight? And that day, I trusted my eyesight. And about a mile and a half down, there was a little turn. And as I went around that turn, all I saw was mile after mile of brake lights. You know what? I think we're like that with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit said, don't do that. Matter of fact, uh, you turn, turn left here right now, Ronnie. Turn left, turn left, recalculate and turn left again. And I don't listen. See, that's one of our weapons, the Holy Spirit. So in the first week of Transform series, I gave you seven habits to transform your spiritual health. I'm not going to quiz you, all right? If you got the book, you know what they are. 
Last week, I shared with you six things that God says about our body in his word. Today, I want to give you five ways to make the most of your mind. Five ways to make the most of your mind. And the first one is this. Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. You know why? Because you lie to yourself all the time. I know you lie to other people. I know you lie to me. I ask you, hey, how are you doing? Like, I'm doing great. And you don't know that your wife called earlier. <laughs> Says, watch out for Bill. He's having. Here's what God's word says in Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. When you see the word heart in the Old Testament, it means your mind. It's the same word as the mind. And it says that it is deceitful above all things. I know you're thinking of somebody in your life right now that's deceitful. And the Bible tells us that your heart is deceitful above them. It's worse. And not only that, it says it's beyond cure. See, you can't fix your mind. You have to transform it. Complete overhaul. Why? Because our minds are beyond cure. That's what Jeremiah tells us. Matter of fact, uh, if we go back to 2 Corinthians in chapter 13 and verse 5, it gives us this warning. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. One way that we lie to ourselves all the time is, and we convince ourselves that we're in the faith. We convince ourselves that we're saved. And the reality is that when we die, when we leave this earth, we are going straight to hell. And we lie to ourselves. We know that there's no evidence in the, how we live our life. We know that there's no evidence in the Holy Spirit speaking to us on a regular basis. And so we lie to ourselves. We convince ourselves that something exists that isn't true at all. And I, wanna, I just want to tell you this, that if you don't test yourself, one day it's not going to be a test. You remember in school how you had to take tests? And the whole point of the test was to see if you were ready for real life. I remember in algebra taking a lot of tests, and I still am waiting for when it's going to come in handy. I remember some chemistry classes and taking some really hard tests, and I'm still waiting for when that's going to come back and help me out. But I'm here to tell you that this is a test that you want to take. This is a test that you want to find out the truth because in real life, it's not going to be a test. It's going to be judgment. That's what the Bible says. After this, the judgment. Folks, we're only on this earth a little while. Some of us are on borrowed time. And one day, your heart will stop beating, your lungs will stop breathing, and your soul will separate from this physical body, and you will enter eternity. And the question is, will you spend eternity with Christ or separated from him? We get to choose that answer. Number two. Ways to improve our mind is we need to guard our mind against garbage. Guard our mind against garbage. Proverbs 15, 14 says it this way. A wise person is hungry 
for the truth while the fool feeds on trash. Now, I want to talk to you just for a couple seconds about facts versus truth. Because facts will get you into trouble, men. When your wife asks you a question like, does this pair of pants or does this dress make me look big? Folk, guys, don't give her facts. I'm not sure, and I'll check on it when I get to heaven, but that might be a good time to speak in faith and breathe words of life and say, no, it doesn't. Just like that, man. Because facts will get you in trouble. Not just with your wives. Facts will get you in trouble in your relationships. When your boss walks by and doesn't say good morning, and you think, oh, you know what? They don't like me. They're out to get me. Oh, and my, I've got my um, evaluation coming up. Oh, I know what that means. You see, the fact is true that they walked by you, and they didn't say good morning. But that's the only fact right there. The truth, the difference between facts and truth is, the truth is a bunch of different facts brought together to give context. And so what we do many times in the church is we grab on to this isolated fact and we beat people up with it and we miss the truth. I made uh, E9 and become a chief master sergeant in the Air Force. and, And so they had this chief's course that they had all the new chiefs going to. There was 50 of us in the room. And there was a three-star general up at the front, and and he got up there, and he says, has anyone ever seen a leader make a bad decision? And every one of us raised our hand. And then he said, well, I haven't. And we put our hands down real quick. (laughs) What do you want, general? Come on, tell us. And then he went on to explain. He goes, I've never seen a leader make a bad decision. He says, because leaders only make decisions off of the information that they're given. And if you give them bad information, they'll make a good decision about that bad information. Because I've never seen a leader that says, you know what, let's see, if I do this, then things are going to turn out right. If I do this, it's going to set us back three years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's do this one. Let's just see how tough our guys are. No, the same thing is true in our lives. I don't believe that you're going through life intentionally making bad decisions. But what happens is you get bad facts. They're all true. And you don't get enough of the facts. And so you never get to understand the truth that's out there. The Bible tells us that the battle is ultimately over truth. The truth of God versus man's interpretation. Man's interpretation is facts. Folks, there are people who don't believe in God because of something they found in science. I'm here to tell you that every one of them will be a firmly believing deist a moment after they die. But while we're here on this earth, it's easy for us to shake our fist at God. It's easy for us to point at God. It's easy for us to ask God, how could you possibly do that? because of the facts that we have, but you don't understand the truth that God brings to this. Because there's a lot more to it. You know, when somebody gives you the fact that, well, how could a loving God send somebody to hell? 
the truth is that that loving God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to replace them. So that, because he knew they couldn't do it. That's the truth. And what we need to do is to quit focusing on facts and start embracing the truth. You see, a wise person is hungry for the truth while the fool feeds on trash. You know, when I think about that, I think about different types of brain food. There is a junk food. Anybody in here besides me that eat junk food? Yeah, double stuffed Oreo cookies. I couldn't believe this. I came home one day and Carrie had regular Oreo cookies on the table. I didn't eat any of them. I didn't eat a one. Instead, I tossed it and went and got double stuff. I ate a couple of those. I'm not here to preach about junk food, but I want to talk to you about some junk brain food. The Bible calls it vain and profane babblings. 1 Timothy 6 says this, that because of vain and profane babblings, some people have turned from the faith. You got to be careful what you're feeding your brain, what you're allowing into your mind, what facts that you're collecting as you build the truth. Well, then there's healthy food that we could choose. The healthy food is simply the truth. The truth will cause you great difficulty. Trust me. I think of, when I think of healthy food, I think of juicing. Anybody ever juiced? Okay. Just me and you, Carrie. Now, let me just tell you this. I don't juice. I drink the juice that Carrie juices. And while I was at that chief's course, I had the privilege to bring Carrie with me, and we were staying in the Embassy Suites Hotel. And I was never more embarrassed when I checked in than I was that day because we had two of them white giant coolers. You know, you know which ones I'm talking about, men? I mean, I mean, I don't know how many ounces, but it was big. And all it had in it was vegetables. That was two days' worth of juicing. And every day, Carrie would go shopping and bring more vegetables back. It was difficult to get that one little cup of juice, but it was worth it. It was delicious. It's so much easier to put a Pop-Tart in the... And and when Carrie wasn't there to juice, guess what I got? I went downstairs and grabbed a Pop-Tart and... You see, the truth will cause you difficulty. It will be hard, but the truth will set you free. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. And then there's toxic food. This is the stuff that'll kill you. Pornography. False religion. Stay with me. Gossip. The Bible says that these are the six things that God hates, and one of those is a lying tongue. Hates it. Psalm 101, verse 3 says these words, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. You want to talk about something worthless? I couldn't help but think about when I lived down in Clarksville, Tennessee, and uh, the road that was there was uh, Interstate uh, Highway 41A. At that time, it was the most dangerous highway in America. And I remember at the intersection of 41A and Tiny Town Road, there was this used car dealership. And on this used car dealership was this giant pink elephant. 
and on this giant pink elephant were glasses. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, literally, it would take up this whole stage here. This giant pink elephant with glasses. Put a hat on him. Make those glasses sunglasses. Maybe its toenails were polished, or, or you painted the toenails a different color. I don't know, is your giant pink elephant standing or sitting down? Now I want you to stop thinking about that big giant pink elephant. You see, that's what happens. We put nonsense, we put things that are worthless into our brain. And then we tell ourselves, okay, I'm going to solve this problem by stop thinking about those worthless and things of nonsense. And the reality is this, that resistance is futile because you will continually think about the giant pink elephant unless you replace it with something else. And so maybe you should be thinking about a giant purple dinosaur over here. And when you're thinking about the giant purple dinosaur, you quit thinking about the big pink elephant. Yes, and, and you might even sing songs when you think about that dinosaur. You, if you want to stop the garbage and the trash that you're consuming, is it's not enough just to stop it. You've got to replace it. And the place that you replace it is right here in God's Word. If you're not ready for that and you've got a transform book, every page has a verse from God's Word in it. Be powerful to answer those questions. Third thing I want to share with you today is never let up on learning. This is something that all of us, no matter how old we are or how young we are, we, we need to adopt an attitude that we will never stop learning. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 18 that intelligent people are always ready to learn. Now, I'm looking at you guys. I've been watching you for a little bit, and you all look pretty intelligent. I mean, how many people feel intelligent? Okay, five of you. We're in trouble. Looks can be deceiving, I guess. <laughs> Growing up, I thought I was intelligent. I got good grades, A's and B's. I've barely studied. But my sister's here today, and she will witness and tell you that her and my mom were convinced that while I was intelligent, I, I lacked common sense. She had no clue I was about to bring this up. Matter of fact, I remember one day my, uh, I walked out of the house and I saw my dad on a ladder at the front and my uh, brother-in-law was there and they were kind of peeking up over onto the roof and they were looking. And, and so I was curious and I walked up. I said, hey, what are you guys doing? He's like, well, we got a leak and we're trying to find it. I said, well, I know where that leak's at. It's, you know, about halfway up on that uh, crease right there. They get up there. Sure enough, there was the leak. My dad come down. He goes, Ronnie, how in the world did you know that? I said, well, funny thing, uh, last month, there was, I throw, got something stuck up on the roof, and I was climbing up on the roof, and I stepped there, and I heard something. You know what I'm talking about by, I was intelligent, but I didn't have any common sense? You know, um, our uh, first vacuum cleaner that I was used to was a wet-dry vacuum cleaner. Mom and dad replaced that at some point, didn't give me the memo. 
And one day I spilled a gallon of a bucket that I was using to mop the kitchen. I spilled it onto the carpet. And so I grabbed our vacuum cleaner and used it. It worked. But that was the last time it worked. You see, I was intelligent, but I didn't have common sense. Now, I'm not going to accuse any of you of that. I think you're intelligent. I think you're smart. I even think you guys have common sense. But here's what the Bible tells us about this. It says in Proverbs 10, verse 14, wise people store up knowledge. You know why wise people store up knowledge? Because wisdom can't be lost. And I'm here to tell you, when, you, when I think about wisdom, wisdom is applied knowledge. It's not enough to know stuff. You've got to use it. And the, when I, we lived in Ohio before we moved here, and we were about to take a, a weekend trip. We had done a lot of those when we lived in Ohio. It was a Friday afternoon. Um, on our way out of town, we decided to stop by God's restaurant, Chick-fil-A. We went in, and we enjoyed some Chick-fil-A. And I, I come out rubbing my belly. Uh, got into my truck, and I went to start my truck in the ignition. It just, it didn't even. Now, now we're about to take an eight-hour trip to see our grandkids. That means it's happening. And um, I don't like traveling in Carrie's car. So i like, I need this truck to work. And so I tried it a couple more times. It didn't. So um, I Googled it. I said, F-150, ignition. It says, here's the problem. You pop the little console off, and there's a little black button there. You push the black button. I'm thinking, that's too easy. I should call a mechanic. But if I call a mechanic, it's going to take them an hour to get here. And then they're probably going to take the truck and put it in the shop. So you know what I did? I popped the thing off. I pushed the little black button. Guess what happened? Truck started. Now, for a little while, about every other time we stopped, uh, I had to pop that off and push the little black button. Now, what would have happened if I wouldn't have popped that off and pushed the little black button? Absolutely nothing. And here, I'm here to tell you folks that you have God's word, you have knowledge that he gives you freely, and you guys aren't pushing the little black button. You're not following the advice that you find in Scripture. You're not doing it God's way. And you wonder why you're stuck. And you wonder why things aren't going right. You know, if we want to continue to learning, the easiest thing I could tell you is the books you read and the people you meet. And when I think about the books you read and the people you meet, I think about life groups. Did I mention that over 100 people were in life groups last week? What happens in life group is what a concept we call discovery learning. Now, I don't know about you, but again, you all look intelligent. And there is a saying that you can either learn from your own mistakes or you can learn from someone else's mistakes. And because you're intelligent, I'm con convinced that you, if you heard somebody say, hey, you know what, I tried this and it didn't work. I do not recommend doing that. You'd probably not try that. That's what happens in life group. People start sharing. Hey, you know what? Um, God told me to do this. I didn't do it, and my life fell to pieces. But then God said, do this. I did that, and man, things are wonderful right now. I, it's a little more than that. It takes about 45 minutes to say that. 
Bible tells us if any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God. And he will give it to them generously. And not just that he will give it to you generously, but he will give it to you gracefully. The words are, he will give it to you without finding fault. Oh, you know, if God were like us, we'd, we'd never give out that. Uh-huh, uh-uh, mm-mm, mm-mm. The last 10 times I gave you wisdom, you didn't do anything with it. I'm going to go over to this side and give them wisdom. That's what we do as humans. That's not the way God operates. God says, I'm going to steal. I'm going to give it to you again, Ronnie. I know you're a little slow on the uptake, but I'm going to let you do this one more time. I'll even speak slower. Number four, you renew your mind daily with God's word. Now, if you're watching on our um, Facebook page, the church Facebook page, there is something happening starting uh, next week on the 1st of May. And it's called Every Day in May. And my challenge to us as a church is every day in May to read at least one verse, one chapter, or one book of the Bible. You can do that in reverse. You could read one book of the Bible or one chapter of the Bible, or you could just read one verse. Every day in May, 31 days. What would happen in 31 days if you read God's Word? Now, I know some of you scholars would probably raise your hand if I asked how many have read God's word every day for the last 31 days, but many couldn't raise their hand and be honest. Here's an opportunity to renew your mind daily with God's word by reading God's word every day in the month of May. Simple. You know, sometimes it's the simplest things that make the most profound changes. And I'm here to share this with you, that change doesn't start in your behavior. Change starts in your thoughts. I told you in two weeks, a relationship upgrade is going to be here, and I will help you understand when you change the way you think, you'll start changing the way you act. You see, our thoughts drive our behaviors, and some of you are clueless on that, and you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And you don't want to make them, but you don't realize where it starts. The Bible tells it this way in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It's the verse for this series. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. That's how you change. That's how we get transformed is when we change what's going on up here in our noggin. And it continues, and it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Did you know that God has a will for you? And if you knew what it was, it would be good and pleasing and perfect. You see, when you're in the center of God's will, things the peace that comes with that is incredible. When you know you're outside of God's will, the scare factor is off the chart. And the last thing I want to share with you today is this, that if you want to improve your mind is you need to let God stretch your imagination. Let God stretch your imagination. If you got your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to open up to the book of Ephesians in the third chapter. Ephesians chapter 3. 
Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 20 and 21. It says, now glory be to God who by his mighty power, and that word power there in the Greek is dynamos. It's the same word for dynamite. And it says, now glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us. Now, I want you to understand there's a promise and a premise here. The premise is this, that God's mighty power can be at work within you. If it isn't, it's our fault, and everything else I'm about to tell you is null and void. Now, glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. How many go to God and they're scared to ask for something because they think that they're not worthy of receiving the answer to that prayer? They think that they don't deserve the attention from the creator of the universe, even though he's told us hundreds, if not thousands of times, to come boldly to the throne of grace. Because what happens is when we go, we think that he sees us like we are. He thinks he, he sees the warts. He thinks that he sees the broken bones. But what Jesus sees is his son, Jesus Christ. And it goes on, not, not just saying everything that you ever dare to ask or even dream of, but then it says infinitely beyond your highest prayers, your desires, your thoughts, or your hopes. May he be given glory forever. You know, that started with giving God glory, and that ended with giving God glory. God wants to make himself real in your life and allow you to see your hopes, your desires to be answered far beyond what you even think. You sell God short so much. And you tell him because it's the way you've lived in the past. And if, you, if he was sitting across the table, he'd be asking you, what pastor are you talking about? Well, you know, the one that I asked for forgiveness for. He goes, yeah, I forgot about it right about then. The reality is this, that we are all filled with God's power, but most of us never, ever use it. We put it in the toolbox in the trunk, and we never, ever go and access it. We have a, the Holy Spirit that's available to us, and we never, ever find out what it's like to see the Holy Spirit work through us in other people's lives, because that's what God wants to do. If you turn over to Romans chapter 4, I want to share with you a story about a man who I think could have fallen into the same trap that many of us do, but he, 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 he pushed through. Romans chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading in verse 13. Romans chapter 4 and verse 13 says this, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Verse 14, For if it, the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. See, they were trying to do it in their own work, their own strength. And when we try to do it in our power, all the promises are null and void. When we try to do it through God's power, he'll do more than we ever dreamed of. 
Verse 15, for the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Now, verse 18. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Now, folks, that's not his brother talking about him. That's not his older sister giving her opinion. That is the Holy Spirit-inspired word saying that Abraham's body was as good as dead. He ain't had no kids yet. Why? Because he was 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Saren's womb. You see, in God's economy, it just works. In God's economy, it just works. God took an old, 100-year-old man, and, and his wife was probably right there with him. She had, she had stopped that season of her life. He probably was beyond that season of his life. But yet he believed what God had told him, and that he was going to be the father of many. Verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. And I'm here to tell you today that many of you, unlike Abraham, you are growing weak in your faith. You are considering the things in your life. You are looking at all of the things that surround you, and you're missing out on God giving you more than you hope for. You're missing out on God giving you more than you could possibly dream. You're missing out on God doing something in your life that would amaze you because you think that your life is as good as dead, that you're too far gone, that God will use Josh, and God will use this Josh, but God's not going to use me. You convince yourself that God's going to use Sherry or Carrie, but God's not going to use me. You convince yourself that God does that for everybody else, and you don't realize that the promise is to you. To you. You know, in front of you and every one of those seats is a decision card. Last week, we baptized 16. Let me tell you guys. Last week, we baptized 16. Next month, we're going to baptize 10 or more. We'll probably have as many. Now, I showed up here three years ago believing that God was going to give us a Sunday where we baptized 20. Folks, I didn't think that he was just going to give us a, a 120 Sunday and that was it. That was just the beginning. You saw, we've, we're already over 20 for the year. I believe that more than 50 people are going to get baptized in this church before the year turns over. 
Why do I believe that? Because God says that he will deliver more than I can dream of. He's like, Ronnie, what are you talking about 20? You've got a whole city out there that needs to get saved and baptized. I wonder how many people are here today that if you tested yourself, you would realize that you know what? I've never committed my life to Christ. If I were you, I'd fill this out and I'd check that box and say, I want to commit my life to Christ. Matter of fact, I'd check the one down there that says, I'd like to hear from the pastor because I'll reach out and I'll set up a time to meet with you and talk with you and help you realize that you don't have to wonder. You've got the answers. That we're, we're, we're given the answer key to this test called life. Maybe as you look down there, you also, you, 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 you got saved, and you had served the Lord for years, and then you ran from God. That's what I did. I was in Bible college, and I ran from God, straight into the military. And yet God saw a young kid who didn't know nothing about nothing. And he gave him a second chance. And then he started bringing churches into my life where we would move and allow us to grow in our faith and our walk with Christ. And maybe when you look at this, you realize that you want, you, you are, you want to rededicate your life, but you just not, don't know how to do it. Or you fill this out, check that block. Allow me to talk to you. And if you look at the bottom, it says next steps. Around here, the first step is to get in. You, you need to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. And after that, we do what you saw last week. And we follow in believer's baptism. That's our first step of obedience. And I remember as I was standing out there last week that there was a bunch of you that came by and you said, I almost got wet today. Those of you that were here last week, I, I offered, hey, if you don't mind going home wet, come on. Two came. And I'm here to tell you, you can go home dry on May 9th if you come prepared. But you know what? I'm going to make that same offer on May 9th that there's people that can go home wet if they want to. You know, um, the Bible tells us that example with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And that Ethiopian eunuch saw water, and he says, what stops me from being baptized? Folks, it's easier for you than the Ethiopian eunuch. If I were you, I'd fill out this decision card, and I'd turn it in. Would everyone stand up? Just close your eyes right where you're at, and... I, just, I want to ask you a couple questions. Just listen to this. Are you here today and you wonder why God hasn't answered your prayers? Maybe you're here today and, and you, you wonder, would God possibly give me the desires of my heart? Like he says in Scripture. Or maybe you wonder that no way does the God in heaven care about the thoughts that I have. 
He's not worried about my relationship with my sister or my brother. He doesn't care about my son or my daughter. He doesn't, he's not worried about whether me and my wife are talking. But I'm here to tell you that God in heaven says he is. And he cares more than you could possibly imagine. And the word that he put in his word was infinitely more. If that describes you today, and and you're struggling with hope, you're struggling with faith, and, and you just need, man, if I could, if I could just pull the faith that's in my heart out and give you a dose of it, I would. If that's you, and you could, you could use a little bit of that faith and that hope, raise your hand, allow me to pray for you right now. Amen. Amen. Keep those hands up, folks. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you've seen the hearts. God, you know the hopes, you know the desires, you know the prayers. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would comfort, and God, that you would come into their lives and show them that you come through on your promises. In Jesus' name. Now look up here. Prayer team, if you'll come forward. Right now, we're about to start singing another worship song. It's going to last about six minutes, and then we're going to close this down. If you need some hope, if you need some help, if you want to hear from God, the Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered together, there I am. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to go through life alone. You don't have to go through the rest of the day alone. And so we've got prayer team members up here, and they are ready to pray with you. Maybe you don't think that your prayer is going to make it through the roof. I can tell you what, I'm going to be right down here. Mine will. You come join me. You come find one of these prayer team members. These are prayer warriors. These are people who when they call out to God, God hears. Not because they're better than anyone else, but because they've got faith. Come up and get some faith, folks. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.